Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. All right. We're back with another episode, and this time around, it's Carly, somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a while, and uh, the timing couldn't be better. Um, you have a book coming out, Carly, and uh, this is this is awesome. I, I envy that. I think that's a that's a huge huge uh, milestone for anybody. So um, yeah, you have a lot more to your story other than just the book. So I'm gonna get let you have the floor and kind of introduce yourself and tell the people whoever listens to this what you do, where you started, and kind of go with whatever you feel is right. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. This is actually my very first podcast. So uh, Woo! Yeah. you're now the third per- third person that this is their first podcast. So I'm really happy. About yeah, that. absolutely. So before I introduce myself, I just wanted to tell you about that because uh, I just started promoting the book two weeks ago. And as you know, I just finished it yesterday. Um, and I have six podcasts lined up to talk about it. But this is the very first one you have like you know, <laughs> the, the high priority, priority. <laughs> yes. um, so, well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So my name is Carly McFarland and I am the CEO and co-founder of Tequila Sunrise. We are a seven figure marketing agency for e-commerce for the first four years. We have just done email marketing and SMS. So as you can imagine, I learned a ton about that more than probably 99% of people in the world. Um, and so that's what my book is about. And uh, it's called Email is Not Dead, and it will actually publish in mid-August. So we're, uh, as at the time of recording this, we're a few weeks away from that, but I'm very excited for it. Awesome, awesome. Um, so tell me now that we have a fellow taco and now we have a tequila sunrise, um, I'd love to know what, how you came up with the name, because I think that's a very interesting name. And then the second part I want to know is what the hell do your clients think about the name? And do, do they feel like they're ordering a drink rather than an email service? <laughs> <laughs> so the honest story of the name, um, our head of marketing came up with like 50 names and they were all really great. And so our leadership team took a look through them and we picked our top three. Each of us picked our top three. And we all had Tequila Sunrise in our top. And I think like three of us chose Tequila Sunrise as number one. And really our goal was to find something that was really memorable, not necessarily something that explained the services or things like that. Um, initially, our agency started off called Email All Stars. And it really pigeonholed us into email. And so we had to do this rebrand mm. just to get out of uh, that hole that we were stuck in. So that was the initial story. And then when we talked about why we all liked it, it was because we felt like it was fun. It really reflected our culture. Um, One of our first client testimonials was actually from uh, two founders who sent us their video from Hawaii. Uh, They were sitting on the beach, like having drinks because they were just like so happy. We actually had made them a ton of money from email Um, They hadn't been doing much with it before. And they were just like, thank you guys so much. We wouldn't be here without you. Like uh, that kind of message. And so it was kind of like, I don't know, it it tied in perfectly with with how we started out. You know what I mean? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Is everyone required to be drinking like a tequila sunrise when you guys are on meetings or what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everything's misspelled. Like we're sending emails to the wrong people. (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome so we do have happy hours occasionally but but usually no i don't i don't think our team's usually drinking during the day (laughs) i love it i love it no that's awesome so uh, what now that you guys went from you know doing the email all-stars thing and kind of feeling pigeonholed and now that you've sort of opened the brand up to something you, you know more what are those additional things that you do want to offer your clients um, as they come in and and what's the next kind of like phase of the business? So this next phase is uh, actually ties in really well with partnerships and what we're doing there. So 
we have selected a number of tech partners that that we've reached out to and we've set up um, relationships with. And now we're diving into offering the services that tie in with their apps. So for example, the first services that we're starting to offer are branded tracking pages. So we're working with Wonderment for that. And then we're also um, helping with organic influencer setup and that comes with Gatsby. So those are the first two that we're rolling out, but uh, essentially phase one is just like really working with all of our app partners that can do something really awesome. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, and in terms of where you guys are doubling down, um, you know, with email and, you know, there's a whole different plethora of apps out there now. And, and I know you guys are, are you guys primarily or only on Shopify? Or do you guys do other like WooCommerce and WordPress and all that stuff as well? We're 90 plus percent Shopify. We prefer Shopify, but we do occasionally have like a custom platform or Magento, WooCommerce, BigCommerce. So there are a few of those. But cool. And Shopify. How... Oh, cool. Awesome. And how big is your guys' team right now? We're about 30 people. Oh, awesome. And you guys are all remote, 100% remote? Yeah, 100% remote. Um, I think we're in 12 countries now too. So we're all over the world. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. Have you guys done a Have you guys done a big company retreat yet? We would love to. You know what? Um, to be honest, I, I ran the numbers on it and it was something like fifty to $100,000 uh, <laughs> for that meetup. Um, we, we really do want to do it. And I think we can make it happen in the future. Uh, so far, uh, we've had a lot of individual team members meet up. Um, and then we did our first uh, full leadership team meetup. Actually, just last month, uh, we all went to Greece. We went to Santorini, Mykonos, Athens, um, and that was really cool. That's amazing. That's I think I saw some of those uh, some of those pictures. Really, really awesome stuff. Um, so, where what's what's your? Um, I kind of want to track back. Like, what's your journey been to get into the place where you are now? Did you, you know, uh, start doing? freelance work in the beginning? Did you just kind of get roped into this by somebody and you're like, oh, I really like this? Like what's kind of, what was your starting story before you, you know, co-founded the business and and sort of took it to where it is right now? So my first toe in the water with e-commerce was actually at 19, uh, which now was nine years ago. And uh, I started working for a logistics company. And so we worked with customers like Amazon and Google and Nike and Sephora and yada, yada, yada. But we, we actually were the ones who were delivering their packages. Um, so it was, uh, it was not quite on the marketing side, right. But it gave me kind of like a view into how large this world was and, um, how many companies and people and like everything that really took to make it work. Um, so I was, uh, I was it with that company for, for a while. And then I had my own company out of actually out of Compton in Los Angeles. And so every day, seven days a week, I would go into the warehouse in Compton with my team of drivers. We'd pack up our vans and we'd be delivering packages. And, uh, I think it was like Venice area I had, like I had some zip codes around Venice and, uh, and that area. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of my, my first toe in the water was on the logistics side. Um, I very quickly found out that I hated the logistics side of things. Um, gosh, I can't even imagine like today being in logistics because it's gotten so much worse than it was back then. Uh, but uh, basically, I, I went on to work with a SaaS company uh, slash agency that wasn't an e-commerce, but it actually showed me the marketing side of things. And um, from there, went to Medellin, Colombia, lived there with some friends, and I met my co-founder. So uh, that's really where Email All-Stars and now Tequila Sunrise originally started was in Colombia. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's uh, And how long were you in uh, Colombia for? Uh, just over three months. So. Oh, wow. And what did you do? Just went there for like shits and giggles and then ended up coming back with a business partner? Um, well... So I worked online at the company before we started the agency and me and three of my coworkers, friends, uh, moved to Medellin and we got a, we got a cool penthouse and, you know, live it, live it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really was just for fun. Uh, but we were working while we were there. So. 
Nice, nice. That's awesome. So what's been kind of the, the toughest part about building this business up? Um, you know, we can kind of relate on the number of people and kind of the service offerings and different things. But what's been some of the biggest struggles that uh, whether it's you or you and your co-founder have kind of, you know, gone through building this business? And, um, you know, if you were to do it again, what are like one or two points where you're like, I would never do that again. And that's something that anybody should never do again or do when they're starting a business like this or an agency? That's a really great question. Um, I could probably write a book on all of the things that we did wrong. <laughs> um, okay. If I had to think of like the worst things that I, I would never do again, um, you know what? I think after COVID, uh, so we lost like half of our retainers immediately, but then we grew four times the size in like, I don't know, two months. And we made a lot of mistakes in that time frame because we just, I mean, who is prepared to grow four times their size in two months, right? Um, mm -hmm. But essentially, we didn't have a proper hiring system set up. So we hired a lot of people without having the time and resources to properly vet them to make sure that they were the right fit. Um, and we made a lot of bad hires, especially during that time period. And we got really bloated as a team. So we actually got up to over 50 people on our team and we are now, like I said, at 30. So we're actually doing more revenue now. Our team is happier now. Things are better now. And we have, and not quite half, but we have a lot less team members. We just have things that are just way better ironed out and better processes, all of that. So that is one of the biggest mistakes I would say is like, have your hiring system figured out. Know, know the type of people that are going to fit well with your team um, make sure that that's what they want to do because sometimes it wasn't even that they weren't a good fit with us. It was just like, they were like, Oh yeah, I don't really like this after a few weeks and then leave. Oh um, yeah. 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 It sounds good on paper, but when you start doing it, then it starts to become like, Oh, I actually didn't don't find this too exciting. Yeah. I can. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then I, I would say another one is actually with hiring as well, because there was a time where when we would hire someone, even if they were like fully vetted and we were happy to move forward with them, um, if we had them start working on accounts right away and they were introduced to the client, if they didn't end up working out and we had to switch point of contact, that was really difficult on the client. And so now we've got a pretty long process where we've got multiple trials. Um, we've we really make sure that this is a good fit on both sides before we ever introduce anybody to a client. And even whenever they meet them, they're starting off with uh, basically clients that we know aren't going to go on to a retainer because they're too small. Like they really just need that initial setup, that initial help. So they'll work on those types of accounts because if they're for some reason only with us for six months or a year, they're not going to be a, you know, a few months into a retainer client and, then the retainer client is like, oh, I have a new point of contact. Oh, I have a new point of contact, you know? So right, um, right, right, right. That's right. something that, that I would never do again <laughs> also. Yeah, no, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I can, um, I, I can see those pain points because we've gone through the same exact thing. I mean, we've had, you know, uh, especially in the PM side, it's like you hire somebody on just because like, my bandwidth is being stretched. I'm like, oh, great, we have a PM. Throw them into the into the fire. And sometimes I think I have to take a step back because even though I enjoy being thrown in the fire, and I'm you know kind of the person that learns like that, a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. And so when you throw them in the fire and, and introduce them to all of these things, and if they don't, if they're not excited as excited as you are about putting them in that position then it kind of rolls back on you and be like, oh man, this is just not going to work out. They don't have the same, maybe same energy or same approach or, you know, and it doesn't have to be same, but I'm just, you know, kind of looking at it as like, be excited in your email, be excited in this, like have a little bit of that, like spark to you because that goes a long way with the client. It, even if we have to kind of rotate people, whatever it is, if all of those people have one level of consistency, which is like, oh, this person either is very knowledgeable, they have that little spark, that makes the transition a lot easier. And for us, a lot of the times it was like, you hear them on the phone and you're like, oh, this person would be great. And you get them to almost like 
write an email and you're just like, where did your personality go? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. And, 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 you know, it sucks to say it that way because at the end of the day, like, you don't want to, you know, uh, I, I kind of feel like I judged you in the right way being like, oh, this is awesome. This is what we want. And then when some like, hey, like, what's going on here? Like, is everything cool? Like, did, you know, did we miss something here? And so we've had those pain points as well. And I would 100% agree with you. I, I think at a remote agency, um, especially with that many people and, you know, you have clients that are paying you a lot of money. You got to be very, very, you got to walk on eggshells for a little while until you actually open that door up fully and be like, Hey, you can take on this bigger client because that, that ends up, that could be a make it or break it point for a lot of clients. Cause we've had, you know, two or three people rotate through one client. Then you just start to realize the energy started kind of going down with the client as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what, it's really important for the team too, not only for the clients to have somebody who is, reliable and smart and nice mm -hmm. to be around like it, it's like it's such a big thing for for me or for our team going into an interview and you're talking to somebody and you can see that like visibly they're unhappy or like they just don't care to be there and that sort of attitude like while it's not really tangible like it, it really does have an effect and impact on the team so mm -hmm. um one of our core values is bring the joy and like we don't want people to be fake happy um but right. you know what even in like an environment where often we're because we're remote a lot of our communication is done via slack and so we really encourage everybody you know like use emojis like use use an exclamation point realize that somebody else is not judging what you're saying through your lens. It's theirs. And maybe they're in a bad mood. Um, like just put a smiley face at the end of what you're saying, or just, you know, try and be a little bit more courteous than you would usually be. in just speaking to somebody over zoom or in person, um, because it makes such a difference. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, for me, it's always, uh, I love that. Bring the joy. I think that that speaks volumes in terms of like the type of people that, you know, you simply even just interview. It's like, you know, uh, tell me what's the, what you do on a, on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. And that'll tell you a lot about the person, how they operate and how they have their set their schedule set up and what their attitude is going to be like. So no, that's, that's really awesome. Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of touch on really quickly, uh, before we jump into, into the book is like, in terms of like the the e-commerce side of things, like what are some of the trends you're seeing right now with email, SMS, and all these you know formats now? You know, I'm I'm on the side of things like I'm getting too many emails at this point. But then there's the emails that I really catch me, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is an ex like a great example of what emails should look like or how they should work, and all this. Um, and I had somebody else previously on a podcast that was also in a sort of this email marketing agency type of thing. His name is Brian. And, uh, you know, there's there's this sense of like it's you got to find your footing. Each brand is obviously different and all this. But what is kind of like the big overarching thing that you're seeing that you're starting to realize the trend and you're like, aha, I see what's going here. This is what my team is letting me know. This is what clients are expecting. Or, you know, is there anything out there that stands out to you that you see a shift happening? So what I would say here is that a lot of large, large, large brands have figured this out, but the smaller stores are just starting to figure it out. And that we are really able to, to educate our clients on is um, the fact that, I mean, the reason, the reason why people are getting, I mean, some people are getting so tired of emails is because they're all like sales emails or they just want something from mm -hmm. you. And I think that's because when people look at email, they look at it as, this source of revenue for their business. And yes, it is. Um, but it's really so much more than that. And really, aside from, you know, the win back, the abandoned cart, the welcome, like, yes, there is a purpose for those. You're trying to get somebody to buy something. Um, most of your email program should not be trying to get somebody to buy something. It's really like you're holding your customer's hand and each of them has this journey that they're going through that is educational and it makes them trust you. And um, actually, I want to give an example because I talked to um, Eli from Jones Road Beauty, uh, I think it was last week. And one of the emails that we talked about, which people usually don't think about, they don't want to spend money on, is an email that tells a customer if their delivery is delayed. And so literally just it could be even in plain text, just letting you know, your delivery has been delayed. We're on it and we'll let you know as soon as it's been delivered. This is what we're expecting, whatever. You can set this up in an automation. He said, uh, I think his his term was like, we're making silly money 
from that email. Um, and yeah. it's, it's tell, giving them bad news, yeah. right? It's, uh, I would, I want the brand to tell me that my, my delivery is late and not be sitting there waiting. It's the same thing with like normal customer service. Like y- you, even if it's bad news, you want to know. And so I think that that's something really important that, uh, people are just starting to realize they're focusing on customer service with platforms like gorgeous. And even with wonderment for those like type of, um, delivery yeah. notifications and, uh, they're starting to see email as more than just like a, a tool to make quick money. Get those 10 basic highest performing, highest ROI email set up for me. And, and they're seeing, okay, let's build trust, loyalty, credibility. Like let's mm-hmm. become friends with our customers. Like that, that is really the trend that I see emerging right now. Yeah. So be, be human. Don't be a fucking robot basically. Yeah. And stop asking me to buy stuff. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and yeah, and I think that there's going to be there's going to be a bigger shift happening with that, I think, as well, um, just because of the basis of, you know, a, a lot of people. I mean, I unsubscribe probably from four to five emails a week, if not more, sometimes just because I'm like, it's the same repetitive shit every single time. And I bought something and yeah, you want me to buy more. And it's like the ones that I really love. I don't know if you've ever purchased anything from uh, sticker mule. No. Have you ever purchased anything? Okay. The most plain text email that you can ever see, no graphics, no nothing. It looks like the founder just wrote it up really quickly and it's any hyperlinks in there, just like hyperlinks. There's like, it's, I mean, it's to the point where I'm like, I, I'm be- you got me to buy every single time you send me an email, I buy something just because it's personal. And so I love that you said that. And I think that that whole your delivery is going to be delayed as genius because I think at the end of the day, that's, that's where clients feel that sense of trust and where, where those touch points come in at is very, very important. Um, and, and how they're, you know, how they're approached without, you know, Hey, your thing's delayed, but go check out one of our other products. It's like, nobody wants to hear that shit. Like, just tell me, tell me that my stuff is delayed and tell me that, you know, thank you. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like even send me a quick text message. That's the text message that nobody's ever going to care about receive they're just going to see it and they'll be like oh this is awesome they sent me this mm-hmm. cool and move on to the next thing and mm-hmm. so nah, i love that um now uh this kind of parlays me into the into the book um what <coughs> what was the what was the overarching lead into writing this book what where does the frustration come in with like naming it email is not dead are you getting a lot of people giving you pushback and like hey like you know emails dying out you need to focus on this like i'd love to know the little bit of backstory on the title and and what made you you know kind of go into writing the book so um there were a couple of things that are very you know business centric selfish that made me start writing the book um, so being honest about that, we, as a, as a company decided to move more into content. Um, and so this was something where I was like, okay, uh, what are other people not doing? Like what is not out there? I actually ordered like 10 email marketing books off of Amazon and I read them all in like a weekend and I was like, no, nope, yeah. threw them all out. I was like, these are all awful. And then I was like, okay, no competition here. So, um, I started on the book. Um, but it, I mean, in conjunction with that, I also have always had a dream of making Forbes 30 under 30. And one of the requirements is that you make an impact in your industry. And so I have all of this knowledge that, you know, I, I've personally led the strategy with more than 200 brands. My team's worked with more than 500 brands. Like I've lived wow. and breathed email marketing for more than four years now, like half a decade, um, which is yeah. crazy. And so I have all of this knowledge But the wild thing about it was when I started writing it, I was like, okay, I'll write this in like two weeks and it'll be done. And then (laughs) I've worked more than 600 hours on this book. It took five months, like almost. When the ideas just start flowing, it just keeps going. You know what? It almost wasn't just like ideas. It was, uh, you know, the quote that uh, says something like, you never truly master something until you teach it. So despite my half decade long experience with strategy and email marketing, until I actually started having to explain why the why behind things, I, you know, I, I never really like fully put those thoughts together, I guess. And I think a lot, we do that a lot in marketing. Like there are best practices 
um, that people have. And so for example, people will tell you like, send your email out on Tuesday and Thursday, but like, why, why would you tell somebody that? And so that was never my personal philosophy, but there are things like that within email marketing where people say, Oh, this is the best practice. But whenever you have to teach somebody something, you have to explain why. So I started really going down a rabbit hole of like, why do I think this? Why do I do this? Yep. Like, what else do I not know about this? And so the amount of research that I ended up doing on top of just the experience I had gained was really what ended up taking me so long. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so you asked me kind of like why I started it, started it and uh, yeah. what it's about. And so I started it for some selfish reasons. And then throughout the process, I really started doing some critical thinking about like, who am I even writing this for? What am I, what is my purpose with this? And there are a few things that I realized. Um, number one, knowledge transfer. I, I have all of this knowledge and now even like quadruple the knowledge that I had before I started writing the book, but I don't, I usually don't work with brands one-on-one anymore. My team works with brands. How is my team going to get the same knowledge? And I think there is a really, really, really big problem with knowledge transfer within agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think this is really going to help with that. Um, I've already had some people read through it and say like, this is going to be mandatory reading for our team because this just gets them like miles ahead of where we could ever get them. And, months of like one-on-one hand-holding. Um, so I think knowledge transfer is big. And then I've talked to some brand owners and what they've said is like, I mean, they've been people who are using agencies and not even our agency. Um, but basically they're like, this is a way to keep agencies accountable because yes, I have this brand. I haven't had to do email marketing myself. I've been lucky enough to have something that worked that hit it off. I didn't have to grind and do it myself. But now I have this tool that, can help me talk to them, can help me ask them questions, can help me verify that what they are saying is true because face it, like there are what 10,000 plus email marketing service providers in the e-commerce space. Like they've just come out of like the woodwork since COVID and half of them are beginners and they don't necessarily have that expertise and have that knowledge. And I think a lot of them, um, I take that back. Maybe some of them don't realize that what they're saying may not be true or that what they're doing could actually be harming brands. And I think on every level, like this is a way for people to make sure that whoever is managing their email marketing program is doing it with some sort of guide or is doing it with some sort of, uh, yeah, guide, I guess. (laughs) Guide is the right word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, we run into that, um, just to relate to that concept of keeping people accountable. It's like, and I'm sure you've been in this position as well. A client will come to you and maybe say, oh, you guys are either expensive or we're just not ready for that size of like a budget or whatever that might be. It's usually financial for the most part. And then they'll go off and they'll work with somebody that maybe is not at your levels that hasn't been doing it that long. And not that person's doing it good or bad but what happens is that they end up usually landing on a single individual freelancer Mm -hmm. and what that ends up usually happening is that whatever that freelancer implemented for their other clients they're just kind of duplicating that because why because they don't have enough bandwidth to do unique experiences from a brand to brand level there's a level of i think you know foundation where you do certain things for everybody but then there's also a very differentiating level of like how you approach that, what they actually need help with, doing a proper audit of what the, what's already there and all these other things. And for us on the development design side, and even even we do Clavio email marketing work, is that we get this whole sort of thing. They go to that freelancer and then they come back to us. Now they've already paid them. Now they're frustrated. They're coming back to us and saying, hey, you guys do this now because I just don't, that person didn't do a good job or we just could not get him on a phone. Communication was terrible. Uh, what they set up for us, we're not very happy about it. And I think that agencies and merchants and clients in this case have to realize that there's a process for everything. If you want the cookie cutter 
give me this. There's probably templates out there where you could just implement it yourself, go for it and see how it does for you. Pay 500 bucks and you'll be good to go for a period of time until you realize that it's not working or maybe it does work for you. It doesn't matter. But I think from both sides of the angle, especially on the client side, I think too, is yes, you need to know how to hold that agency accountable and know to ask even the right questions. But I think also on the client side, the patience is a really, really big thing of understanding hey, this person's actually trying to make this process unique for our brand, our experience, what we currently have. Uh, and that, I think, needs to be taken into account because at the end of the day, you're going to be unhappy all the time if you're constantly like, we need this done tomorrow, we need this done tomorrow. It's like, this shit doesn't, there's copywriting, there's, you know, there, there's a level of graphics. Are your product images even good? Like, there's so many little components that you have to take into consideration that you know, most people are just going to be like, "Well, that stuff doesn't re like." Don't hire the expert and then tell the expert what to do. Like, just trust them to a certain level, and you can have collaborative effort and all this other stuff. But understand that you hired us to do the work, and now just let us do the work. And then, if you're not happy, we can have a different conversation. But if you're going to be sitting here and poking us every time, and why did you do like? That's a whole different experience. And those are the clients that we actually don't take on anymore because it's just, you know, you can read that. Like I can raise that flag, red flag from the first call. And I'm like, yeah. we're not working with this person. Like, and I tell them straight up, I'm like, hey, this relationship is not going to be good. And and so I'm glad you're holding the, the agency accountable. But I feel like there needs to be a, almost like a one sheet for like clients to look at and be like, okay, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. And, you know, that sort of thing. And, and to realize that, you know, um, they need to be held accountable as well. It's really in, like, it's such a tough place for small brands to be in because the people yeah. like us that have the experience, have the knowledge, have the ability to really guide them strategically, like our prices are just not... They, they, they don't work for a lot of brands. Maybe they only have $1,000 right now to put towards their initial setup. And I want to say that like for those brands, like I'm sure that they can find freelancers and small agencies who will only charge, you know, $1,000 for the full setup that can maybe help them like get that first leg up if they really don't have the money. Because uh -huh. there's a difference. Like you said, there is some cookie cutter stuff that, that every brand needs. And yes, hopefully they customize the copy and the graphics and all of those things. Um, mm -hmm. But that's kind of your first step. And you do need to take that first step. Obviously, you need to make sure somebody's doing it right so it doesn't have to be redone in the future. Um, exactly. happens often. Um, but it is a tough place for people to be in because you even think about, you know, you get those basic emails set up for somebody. Maybe it's in an initial onboarding package. And I'll be completely honest, in our first few years as an agency, we worked with a ton of very small stores. Um, and they, you know, they, they had the money to do the initial setup, but they really don't have the money to go and spend another $2,000 on shipping notifications. Like for them, it's just not mm -hmm. worth it at that time. Or for them, they don't see the value in doing that. Um, there's a lot of other priorities, right? When you're small and starting out. So yeah, it, I mean, it is a tough place because, uh, you know, you want to set up this hundred email, beautiful flow for all the different customer journeys and all of this stuff. But like, you also have to be realistic about the budget. So it's a really interesting yeah. place that um, brands and both marketers like find themselves in. So I think it really is those larger brands with the big budgets that have the luxuries of building these beautiful email marketing programs out. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there was issues on both sides, right? I guess the book was really just trying to help level the playing field just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I always say if you help 1% of the people or, or even just one person, you've done your job because at the end of the day, you, you, that's all you have control over is the content that you put out and, you know, hopefully help somebody. And if it's, you know, meant to, meant to be a leg up for somebody and they take that and they run with it, then, then you've done your job. So, um, no, I'm, I'm super pumped to, to see the, to see the final product and everything. And how are you planning on what's your kind of distribution model and how are you planning on kind of parlaying this? Are you going through a full publisher? Are you doing self-publishing and then, you know, selling it through something like whether it's like a gum road or, or whatever else it is, or through your agency website, like what's your, what's your goal with this and how are you approaching that? like stage of the process? Yeah. So I think a lot of it uh, will end up being organic after the initial launch. So the, when I wrote the book, um, it was just me head down for like five months. Um, but then in the last two weeks, I started thinking about, okay, how am I marketing this? What am I doing here? And 
I started working with a bunch of partners, those te- same tech partners that we are, our agency is going to be partnering with. And I started asking them like, where can you provide extra value or where can we have a conversation and teach something maybe a little bit more that maybe you guys know super, super well, because this is all you do and you have some stats to share or you have this or you have that. And so, um, there are actually a number of those partners that, uh, share some insights throughout the book. And so when we first launch, you know, I, uh, I have quotes from like a lot of the CEOs of these big, bigger tech companies in e-commerce. So like we've got CEO at Gorgeous, CEO at Just Uno, CEO at Gatsby, CEO at Segment C. Uh, we've got the co-founder at Clavio. Um, we've got all of these companies that have kind of come in and read the book that are behind it and now are in the same space. So they've, you know, they've got the same target market as I do. And this book really helps people. It's not selling our agency at all. I don't think I even mentioned the agency once, except for in like, yeah. um, it's really all just about helping people. And so I think there will be a lot of promotion from our partners. Um, I'll be promoting it myself and building a YouTube channel off of the back of it. Um, it's going to be on Amazon. Uh, it'll be, I think in target, Um, so there are a couple things like that happening. And then I really start, I want to start speaking at conferences. So, uh, really the rest of my year is just going to be around PR and reaching out to partners and, uh, getting on podcasts. Like I said, I've got now another five podcasts lined up that, um, that I'm going to go speak on and hopefully reach more people because what was, what started as something really selfish, um, ended up as something really, really beautiful that is not out in the world today. That is genuinely going to help a lot of people. And like, I, I can't, I couldn't be more happy with how things have turned out and the feedback that I've gotten so far. And so I'm really excited to start getting it into people's hands. And I really think that once they see it, that they will share it in their circles because it's not a puff piece. It's not a sales piece. It is genuinely going to be such good content for people. And I can vouch for that because I've seen it. So <laughs> I definitely, uh, definitely can, can agree with that. And um, no, I'm, I'm super pumped about that. And I'm super uh, happy that you actually made it on the podcast out of like all the stuff that you have going on and that you get to, you know, um, get this out there. Like I said, I, I've been in the mode of, for a very long time and more so now, um, any way I can help people from my experiences. I even, you know, recently turned on like a little business coaching side thing where I just want to help freelancers and people just in any kind of way that will allow me to pay forward what I've learned, the struggles that I've gone through, the things that I see that I'm not able to act on, but somebody else should probably act on it and like, you know, kind of go with that process. So um, there's a lot of value in that. And I think the best selling you can possibly do for this book is when you're not selling at all, especially not mentioning your agency and different things like that. Not that it's a bad thing, but at the same time, when when people feel authentically, you know, here's what she's bringing and she didn't it's not a, hey, now at the end of this book, go buy this from our agency or, you know, like all this other stuff. That's when authenticity yep. and, and trust is built. And I think uh, it's a great way, great, great approach. Um, does that, so you said that it's going to be in like Target. So are you going through a publisher, like an actual publisher? No, self-publishing. Yeah. Oh, self-publishing. Okay, okay, but, cool. No, that's awesome. And how were you able to manage uh, getting into like Target? Like what's that process like? I'm, I'm really That curious. is an amazing question. So while I am self publishing. I actually am working with a company of guy that I've known for a long time. His name's Chandler Bolt. He has the self-publishing school. And so I went through his company and they've actually had uh, a course that I went through that kind of taught me the proper way to put the book together, how to find the editor, the form letter, okay. like the ISBN numbers, all of these important things. And they're actually the ones who are, um, who are actually getting it up on Amazon and they're getting it into, I don't remember exactly where they were putting it. I think it was like target and maybe Barnes and Noble, something like that. I have to clarify. Um, but yeah, so they were, they're the ones who are actually helping with that. Um, but I will let you know as soon as I find out what the process is. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Feel free to, I mean, I think that's good information for anybody to know because I think now, um, I personally don't think anybody needs to do any kind of like outside publishing. Like you could put everything up yourself and, um, all that. And I was telling you, I think, uh, you know, what would be a good idea for something like that, because you do have so much content is whether it's you yourself or getting somebody to, to come in, like 
repurpose that content as much as you mm -hmm. possibly can. I mean, you have literally a full book and, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can probably post something every day for the next like year and people are going to catch on one bite. They're going to figure out where that book, where that came from. They're going to write on your book and then it's going to be this like flywheel mm -hmm. effect. So definitely, definitely do that. I'm actually writing a piece for a newsletter right now that's talking to actually brands and merchants on Shopify and stuff like that, how to repurpose content on a consistent basis. Like just because you took images for your product or you wrote a product description or whatever that is, you can take that and flip that so many different ways that allows you to repurpose that content. So no, I think, uh, I think that's really, really awesome. And, and big congrats to you for, you know, putting your head down with everything else you have going on and writing that book. I think, um, that speaks a lot about just, you know, where you want to be and the goals that you have. And that's really, really awesome. And what, what made you want to try to hit the 30 under 30 for Forbes? Like, what was the, was that always like a goal as like a, as just a human, as a business person, or was the, did that just come about when you're like, Hey, I can fucking do that. You know what? I've actually had the goal since I was in high school, weirdly enough, back oh. when I knew nothing about business Back when I was working in a pizza place, like I knew that one day I wanted to make Forbes 30 under 30. I've always had this like insane um, grit, and uh, you know, <laughs> so we uh, we were we I was working with my team a little bit through through the uh, preface for the book, and something that came up through like you know me sharing my story, my backstory, and all of these things was. Um, that have a little bit of neurosis, they think, um, and a little bit of an inability to adjust. Um, so like, if you know my story, um, I know you, you know a little bit about it, but it was a, like very, very, very rough childhood. Um, and the only thing that I could do to control my environment really was to just be really successful at anything that, that came in front of me. And I really would only work on things if I was really good at them. So I was just really good at all the things that I did. <laughs> if I wasn't good at it, I didn't do it. Um, so, you know, like in, in school with high school, getting a 4.3 GPA and um, I would be... Wow. <laughs> You know, I was I was in things like uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of it now is now. But basically, you would like memorize a book and then you would create like motions and like tell a story and you would like repeat the whole book. And so, like I did competitions like that, and I was first chair. Wow! And uh, I played the trombone in marching band. And so, anyway, I, I will add to that. I played the saxophone <laughs> in in uh, in elementary school. I played the saxophone. So go on. We can start a band. We can start a band after this. <laughs> Gosh, I haven't played in such a long time, but I could probably pick it back up. <laughs> yeah, because you're good at it. <laughs> um, so essentially, like, I just had this, like, very weird thing about me as a kid where, like, I just needed to be, like, the best at everything. And it, unfortunately or fortunately, Double-Edged Sword has not left me as an adult. So, um, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I got to make the list. So here I am. I love I've got that. two years left and I'm like, all right, so what have I got to do? I look at the the requirements and it's making an impact in the industry. And there is no doubt now that I've got that one checked off. Um, right. And then there's a uh, funny enough. I mean, I guess I get it cause they need to market their lists, but you have to have a following. So um, I'd actually deleted my social media last year, but I was like, Oh shit. Well, I guess I got to get it out again. So <laughs> created the Instagram and the Facebook and like I've had LinkedIn forever, but I've never, I've had like three posts on it in like, I don't know, 10 years. So, yeah. um, I don't know how long LinkedIn has been around. Maybe 10 years is too long. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, you get what I, what I mean. So, um, I'm going to, I've been working with a personal branding expert and they're like, okay, you've got to do this many posts a week on LinkedIn, this many on TikTok. your YouTube page is starting, like make sure to do this many videos. And so mm -hmm. now I'm really working on that, um, follower piece. And, and like you said, I've been seeing you use your content across multiple platforms. That was a really, really great idea that you gave me. Um, so that's something else that I can do. And, uh, basically now I just got to start putting out a ton and ton, a ton, a ton of content. So here we go. Start of it. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, for the, for the podcast and everything, um, we do a, you know, a good amount of promotion around this. I'm happy to send you obviously any clips, any videos, um, that you, that you want. Um, you can use it however you want. Um, but I would definitely say, um, 
you know, get your processes right because writing content, especially since you already wrote a lot of it, but you know, um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the past few months about just putting my my story out there and trying to, like I said, the goal at the, the very minimum is to help one person has been to really know how to format and how to make it digestible. A lot of people missed a boat on writing these long posts using, you know, bunch of big words. If a third or fourth grader can't read it, you're doing something wrong. That's what I, that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. And so break that down as simple as possible, because even though I may not, you know, get the most amount of traction on my stuff, there's a lot of people that reach out to me on the side and just say, Hey, really, really like the way you, you, you uh, put that out there, man, that post really helped me this and that. And honestly, like, even if it doesn't get any likes, if I just, if one person reaches out to me on the side, even if it's like five weeks from now that I posted something yesterday, like it's one of those things that to me is like, okay, cool. Like that gives me that motivation to just be continuously be consistent. And I think that's the big thing is like the consistency piece of it is really, really big, especially on social when you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with Twitter, you're dealing with Instagram, you're dealing with LinkedIn, you're doing all these different things. There is something about the repetitious of like when you talk in algorithm terms, they're just like, oh, yeah, this person's on a on a machine right now. They're they're doing the thing every single day. They're consistent, all this other stuff. It, it puts your content in front of a lot more eyes. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's been one thing for me, even if it's like one liners that I drop on Twitter or LinkedIn, it's just like just post something to to be there in front of people um, from whatever perspective you're posting, whether it's something helpful, whether it's something that you did today that was awesome, like whatever that is, just put it out there because you're, you're somebody's reading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think the hardest thing for me in talking about even starting this was just like the fear of judgment. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, I mean, there's a reason I deleted all of my social media. Like it, it really is a sometimes a very hard thing to to deal with um, when you're putting up a photo and you're like, oh, nobody even saw it, or like my five followers mm -hmm. saw it. Um, yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. And and that that's the one thing I'll tell you is uh, it's going to be a very slow and steady and very you know frustrating at times when you're just like sitting there like what do I write today but it's just the biggest thing that's helped me is like I get a lot of my ideas and a lot of my flow when I'm like walking or just doing mindless things when I'm not in front of my computer and having a place having that system and that process to know like this is where my ideas go even if it's one line hey I want to do this tomorrow when when you go back to it it triggers a whole different perspective on your in your mind you're like Oh, damn, I did talk about that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I go through, look through my notes and I'm like, oh my God, I said this like a year ago. This is crazy. I didn't even think about, it. you know what I mean? Like, and so keep a notepad. If, if you're a writer, write it down, keep something in hand, because I'm telling you once that idea or that thought is gone, it's very hard to pull it back mm -hmm. in. Um, if you don't have it written down somewhere, especially with all the things that, you know, you have going on and I have going on and all these other things. But um, I'm actually for that same reason. In August, I'm actually joining a audience building cohort, uh, which is, I think, only like seven days. And it's all about growing your following and building that audience around whatever niche you're, you're focused on. So for me, it's, you know, entrepreneurship and giving people tips and different things. And so that's one thing I really want to push forward because I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, uh, going more lean with everything that I'm doing and, and building a self-sustaining content machine um, as I do this, that's why I do the podcast because I enjoy these things like writing. I've come to enjoy writing. And I was, you say you're a 4.3 student in high school. I was a 1.8 student in high school. I fucking hated school. I hated writing. I hated everything. But when I do it on my own time for my own reasons, like I can be really good at it. And, um, you know, that's just one of those things. And so I'm always just looking to educate and I, and I love what you said in the beginning. It's like, you definitely start to learn more when you're trying to teach somebody else because you're going through that process again where you just feel like, oh, I know all these things. Well, you do, but you got to kind of refresh your memory every so often. And when you start talking about it, like, oh, shit, that was a really good thought. I forgot that I had that. You know, there's a lot of that. So, um, you know, you have my number, you have my email. Um, anytime you, you, you need any kind of uh, motivation or whatever that is to be like, man, I'm fucking all out of like shit to write. Like, 
let me know and I will help you get back on that, you know, um, get it back on that consistency. Cause that's that to me, like, I want to get that tattooed right here on my heart. It's like, consistency. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's trickled in so many ways. I started doing a writing cohort and started doing like, you know, 30 pieces of writing in 30 days and you have to publish everything publicly. The minute that I started doing that, I mean, even on those days where I get back and I'm tired and, you know, oh. drained and I don't have any creative thoughts and all these other things, 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, doesn't fucking matter. Post it, get it out there, write something and do it. And honestly, that has changed so many things for me across my personal life, my business and everything else that it is the most powerful tool between that and my ADHD, I think they're the two most powerful tools that I have that continue to let me do what I want to do going forward. That is a brilliant idea, actually. Um, it gave me a good idea of once the book is live to take like 30 days of taking like a little snippet from the book and sharing it and being like... That's it. <laughs> that's exactly what I was telling you. Repurpose that content. Yep, that's it. That's Beautiful. It. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> yep that's and and i will i will engage with your content i will help you get it to as many people as possible and uh you know like i said um once it's uh, once it's out i'll drop it in my newsletter i don't have that many people but it's better than nothing and so whatever you need from me um i told you it's 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 all here and anything that i can help you with i'm happy to as well um i've written it all down painstakingly so <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And hey, listen, you might, there might be a second book somewhere in there too. You know what I mean? You might find a topic that people relate to and you're like, oh my God, I could just double down on, you know, SMS now or whatever that little factor is that people catch on to you. You don't know till you, till, till, till people have it in their hands. Funny enough, I actually am going to have to release a new, uh, a new edition of it every year because things are changing so quickly, new software, new capabilities. Um, mm -hmm. Like it really, it really is advancing that quickly. So absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely be putting all the rest of my research in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, this is, this has been awesome, Carly. And I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on anything that we missed anything that, you know, triggers your curiosity, anything of, of the sort? You know what? We could probably talk forever. <laughs> you and I talk all the time, but I feel like that was, that was a, this has been a great session. I feel like the stuff that we, we talked about was perfect. So no, nothing, nothing else awesome. at this time, but I'll give you a call right after this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, again, I really appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. Uh, thank you for, you know, allowing me to be the first person to get you on a podcast and start promoting your book and all this other stuff. So that's really awesome. And, uh, you know, um, go ahead and I guess, uh, just put it down one last time, you know, tell them about the book, the name of the book. And, um, I think this will probably get released around the same time. So we can kind of plan on it being, a you know, a little bit of a, hopefully a marketing vessel for you as well. Amazing. Yeah. So the book is called email is not dead by Carly McFarland and it will definitely be up on Amazon. So check it out. Or if you just want to email me, I'll just send you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and then your, your agency tequila sunrise.com.co. .co. You couldn't get .com, no, I'm no, sure. Yes, huh? it was already taken, unfortunately. Tequila Sunrises are very popular. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, no, that's awesome. Well, uh, again, thank you. Um, this was a, been a great session, and um, I will chat with you very yeah, soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Have, Have a, a great day. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.